I put Andy to work before he had to get off the stage. I'm like, I'm not carrying my own table. That's below me. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. He got here on time this morning. That's how I, that's how I congratulate him. You also got here on time. Hey, I, this one's kicking my butt. This time change, I'm tired today. But we're going to do this. We're going to have a good morning. We are in week two of our series, Luke's Good News. And so we discussed this last week. If you were here, we're spending March and April leading right up to Easter going through the entire book of Luke. And so I hope, just like Andy mentioned, that you've been following along, you've been reading through the reading plan. Listen, those of you that are watching us live online this morning, you can find that reading plan right on our website at vwocc.com forward slash Luke. So go check that out. You can download it there. And I also hope that you've been journaling. If you picked one of these up, if you've been writing in there, you've been listening to the podcast, I mean, you don't necessarily have to write in here. You can write in your own journal. But I hope that you've been doing those things that Andy mentioned to you. We still have a few of these. He mentioned it available for you if you want to get one of those. Pick them up today. But listen, if you haven't been doing that, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. You don't need to catch up to where we are, right? Just start reading. So if you pick the reading plan up, just start reading today where we're reading. So you can just keep going along with this as we go through the book of Luke. Now, Luke wrote this gospel, or the gospel is the story of Jesus' life, right? To proclaim the good news of Jesus. That's what gospel means. And so he was writing this to support what those who were learning about Jesus had heard. What they were, what they were hearing, he was trying to confirm that. This was written to disciple other people, to give them assurance that what they believe about Jesus can be trusted and be used to help disciple other people. Now, I'm going to tell you, boy, I, I, I've been reading through Luke. I've been picking this up, and I've been reminded so much of the power of God, right? This week, in the very first day of the reading, right, I get these, this reminder from God when I read this line these are Mary's words when she, or, or right after Mary has found out about she's, that she's going to conceive Jesus. And it says, for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. I don't know about you, but that really gets to me. That hits here. Because listen, I'm going to fail. I probably did it a few times this morning. Right? Maybe more times in my life I'm going to fail than I am going to succeed. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. People in my life will let me down. I might lose my job, but sure, I hope not. You know, unless I say something today that's really inappropriate, I'm going to be here next week, okay? But we're going to, I'm going to struggle. Anger and hate is going to take center stage in my life sometimes. I will lose someone. We will all lose someone close to us in our lives. But here's the thing that Scripture reminds us, and I got that reminder this week, God never fails. God always comes through. Maybe not in the way that you're expecting. Maybe not in the way that benefits you the way you thought you wanted it to work, right? But he always comes through. His plans never fail. And because of that, we can have hope. And as I have hope, the hope is wanting an outcome that makes your life better in some way. It can help us through tough 
present situations that we in, they can become more bearable, but it can also improve our lives because we can envision a better future and that motivates us. That pushes us forward. It makes us take steps of trust and faith to make those things happen. Whether we think about it or not, hope is part of every single person's life. Everyone hopes for something. That's an inherent part of being a human. Hope for us, it it helps us define what we want in the future. It's part of this narrative that we have in our lives that we have running through our heads. So I got to ask you, and maybe just you think about this today. What are you hoping for? What do you hope for? Because we all hope. And I think sometimes we all live in a place of hopelessness where we don't feel like we're hope, that we have any hope for the future. We feel like we live somewhere where hope is just not something that we're going to experience that there's nothing left to hope for, that our future can't get better. Maybe it's that you've got a diagnosis that there's just no cure for. Maybe you have a child who is struggling with sickness or addiction, and you just can't seem to see a way that does not end in death. Maybe your marriage is falling apart or Your family is ripping apart at the seams, right? Maybe you've gone down a path where you don't know a way out of. Whatever it is, Luke wrote this good news to remind you that Jesus is the answer to your pain. Jesus came to bring hope to the hopeless. That's our big idea for today. And one that I think many of us in this room and those of us watching online that we need to hear. So let's take a look just about what I mean when we talk about hope for the hopeless. Now, if you were here last week or you joined us for our live stream or even watched it later in the week, listen, we heard about Jesus' baptism. We saw Jesus get baptized. He came to be baptized by John the Baptist. And at this baptism, Jesus prayed and heaven opened and God sent the Holy Spirit down upon Jesus to anoint his ministry, to prepare him for what he was about to do. And you'll recall that Jesus, we talked about this, he was given his identity by God. Before he'd done anything or taught anything or healed anyone or been doing miracles, God called Jesus his son with whom he was well pleased. We need that reminder. We talked about it because God calls us his sons and his daughters. And he does this without any of us having to earn that love. Our identity is in God alone. This is important for what Jesus is about to deal with. So we're going to start right here in the beginning of Luke. And hey, I'm going to read from my Luke book. I got this bigger Bible, but this one's a whole lot easier to open. I'll tell you what, and hold, it's not so heavy on my wrist. Um, I got weak wrists, y'all. It's fine. Um, So we're going to be in Luke chapter 4. And if you've got this journal, you can pull this out. Or you got your Bible, open that up. Or pull up a Bible app if you've got one. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, We've got them available for you at the hub. We want to gift that to you. It's free, okay? 
We're going to read right here at the beginning of chapter 4, and here's what it says. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. So Jesus, it says right here in Luke chapter 4, he goes out into the wilderness, and Satan is going to tempt him. Satan says, like, hey, Jesus, turn that stone. You're hungry. I know you are. Turn it into bread. And Jesus says, listen, it's not just bread that's supposed to fill our lives. Then Satan says, Jesus, listen, listen to me. You don't have to go to the cross. Listen, if you worship me, I'll give you this world. And Jesus replies, we should worship God only. And then finally, Satan says, listen, he puts him up on this high point. He says, throw yourself off this, right? And it says in Scripture, Jesus, that angels will come and protect you. And Jesus replies, listen, you're not supposed to test God. And so then Satan just takes off because he knows he's been defeated. He's been cast away. Now, here's the interesting thing. We read this, and sometimes we get our own perceptions of him. But listen, Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted was not something Satan did to him. He didn't drag him out into the wilderness like, come on, Jesus, I'm going to tempt you. No, the scripture actually says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, Luke was big on pointing out that Jesus was never alone in these scenarios. As we, had, we saw in last week's message, God sent the Holy Spirit down to anoint Jesus' ministry, to set him apart. And here again, we see that Jesus is filled with the Spirit, and Jesus went into the wilderness to face the devil. So why was he tempted? Some people might look at this and think, well, this was a moment that Jesus needed to clarify his ministry, Right? Uh, it's just not the case. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not what it was about. Jesus was actually certain of his place in this world. He knew the path that he was meant to be on. Remember what he got. He had just been told by his father who he was. He was assured of what his place was in this world. His identity was set. He didn't have doubt about who he was. He didn't need confirmation about the power inside of him. See, this temptation that Jesus faced was for us. It was for us. This was to show us that temptation and evil can be resisted when we do a few things. First thing is this. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer that has chosen to be baptized, God promises you a helper in the Holy Spirit. So let the Holy Spirit live in you. Be fed by the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus did the same thing. He came as a man and was led by and anointed by the Spirit. Second thing we see from this is that you need to rely on the Bible. You need to read God's Word. Jesus knew God's Word. Now listen, go back and read those passages this week. Satan knew God's word too. He quoted scripture to Jesus. And so because of that, hear me say, we need to be better about knowing it well enough 
so that Satan cannot deceive us with what Scripture says. So when people in our lives start to twist Scripture to mean something specific, we can go, no, 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 that's not what that means. Know your Bible. Spend time reading this. The third thing is you need to trust in God. We talk about that a lot. Begin to hand things over to God. Let God's power live in your life. Know that he is in control, that he controls all of this, that he has supreme authority. Trust in that. And then this, trust in your identity in God. I think that's where many of us get caught up because the world wants to define who you are. The world wants to tell you who you are. But lean into that definition as a son or daughter that God gives to all of us. Don't let the world tell you your place because God already has. So Jesus shows us these disciplines. That's the point of his temptation here is how we approach this world. And he had to do this in a desert, in a wilderness. So where is your desert? Where's your wilderness? Maybe it's in your career, right? Maybe you're feeling lost in what God is calling you to do with his mission. Maybe it's in your family. This might be a season where you are feeling famine in your family, like your marriage isn't feeling well, your kids are struggling to connect to each other and to you. Maybe it's in your relationships, right? Maybe you found yourself feeling isolated and alone at school or in your neighborhood or just wherever you are. You just don't feel like anybody cares. Or maybe it's even your faith, right? Maybe you have found it in the season or you're in it been years where you're finding it hard to connect to God through prayer and reading. See, Jesus, what he's showing you is that sometimes we need to be in the wilderness to be able to see how we fully rely on God. Jesus came to bring hope for the hopeless. Maybe this is a season where you need to fast from something. Listen, not just because it's Lent. There's a lot of people that do that, right? But maybe you need to fast from something. Fasting is not, not, really, we associate it with not eating, but it's just not partaking in something for a season. You might need to do this because you're being led by the Spirit so that you in the midst of this temptation and the struggle to be able to lean on God. Maybe you've been leaning on social media too much. I think we could all say that a little bit, right? So maybe you need to give that up and let the Spirit feed the connections that you need to make. Maybe you've become too reliant on watching the news, right? And it's all depressing. And maybe you just need to let the Spirit inform your thoughts and your opinions, Maybe you've been relying on alcohol to deal with your stress. Maybe it's the bottle or the bottom of a glass that you you find yourself looking at each day when you come home because you're stressed. Listen, those things inherently are not bad, but when you've taken that and you've replaced God with that, and you've replaced that with these things in the world, maybe you're relying not on the power of God, but on the things the world tells you. And so maybe you need to give those up. Maybe you need to put those away for a season so that you're not, when you're in the wilderness, you can connect to God. See, after Jesus resisted his temptation, we're not going to pick up. We're going to move forward here a little bit in chapter 4 over to verse 16. 
And so this, what we're about to read, is like officially the beginning of Jesus' ministry on earth because he's literally about to acknowledge his mission and his title as Savior. Here's what it says, starting in verse 16. It says, He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now here's the thing, that is like the, New Testament version of a mic drop. You know what a mic drop is? You're just like, yeah, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Bang, done. Jesus was, he was telling them what it was, right? So we've seen two stories here that are leading up to where Jesus is being anointed or being shown to be the Messiah. And the first is his baptism, right? And God proclaims that this is his son. And then he goes into the, the wilderness and he defeats the devil. And now we get to see Jesus come and verbalize this himself. He's sure of himself. He knows his place. And so he takes up this place in the synagogue. And scripture says, it says he found the place where it was written. He was handed. This is a passage from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And he, and he went and he found it, right? And Isaiah was a prophetic book. It was a prophecy or a foretelling of the coming Savior. See, the Israelite people, they've been waiting for Jesus for a while, hundreds of years, right, for this Savior to show up. They'd been oppressed. They were occupied by foreign countries and leaders. They were struggling financially. There was hopelessness, lots of hopelessness. And yet Jesus read these words in verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. This is Jesus claiming his mission, right? He's out there saying, this is what I'm here for. Jesus is saying, I am here to save. Jesus came to bring hope for the hopeless. He had come to bring good news to the poor. He had come to set prisoners free Help the blind to see, he said, right? Now, I want to show you something that really blew my mind. We, we put this series together last summer, okay? There's a team of us that put together the series we're going to do throughout the year. And we, we came together and said, we're going to do the book of Luke. And we had not decided at this point to get these books. We didn't even know these existed, okay, when we set this up. And if you have one of these journals, I'll just tell you to look right in the front of it. Because right here in the front of the first few pages, right there in big, bold font, is the exact passage that Jesus read. What Jesus read right there. Luke 4, 18. It just quotes, and this is how the Holy Spirit works. He put that word into our teaching team. This passage was on our hearts 
long before we got to this point. He wants us to hear this message of hope. He wants you to hear that. He knows how important it is. So today we're going to ask the same question with this passage that we ask with everything we read in the scripture. What should we do with this? What should we do with it? And so I think there's a couple of things we can take away from this moment at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. First is this. We can have hope in Jesus. We can have hope in Jesus. You know, you may be financially stable, so you may not be poor, but yet you may be poor in a lot of other places in your life. You may be low in your faith. You may be struggling to believe that God will move and provide for you. You may be poor in your relationships. We may not feel connected to people in real ways, right? Our hope may be dwindling, and we may not see this promise in Jesus that we should. Jesus is saying, put your faith in me. He's the one who's come to lift you up. We may not be physically living in a prison, right? But yet we need to be set free from something. Set free from addiction to things like drugs or pornography or alcohol. Maybe we need to be set free from the constant need to be like everyone else in our lives or the constant desire to want to fit in and be liked by everyone else around us. We need to be set free from guilt and pain and mistakes that we've made. We need to be set free from the anger we hold on to about something that happened in our past. The past that we carry around like a weight around our neck, holding our heads low and not allowing us to look up. Jesus came to break those chains of oppression. That's what he's talking about. Jesus came to heal. He came to heal our families, the strained relationships in our marriages or with our children. He came to mend broken hearts. He came to physically heal the infirmities we have both in our bodies but in our minds, he came to end depression, to end anxiety. Jesus came to bring hope for the hopeless. So now that we have this hope, this then leads to what else we do with this scripture. Because truth be told, while Jesus came to bring hope, he also pushes us forward and wants us to share this hope with other people. Paul, who has wrote much of the New Testament, wrote the following in the book of Romans. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that when you're filled with this hope that Jesus brings, that Jesus gave, then we do what? What do we do? Hold it in? Do we hide it away? Do we keep it to ourselves? No. Paul says, you're supposed to, he says, overflow with hope. If you've ever filled something up too full, like a bathtub or a cup of water, it overflows. Where does it go? It just goes everywhere. Just terrible water. Everywhere, right? Like if I filled that too full, it would be everywhere. Sometimes we've got, we do baptisms so, so rough that you just water flows out. Just overflows. But that's the reality. Overflows with hope. When hope flows out of you and comes out, it has no other choice but to go on to other people. You can spread hope to other people. 
Don't be ashamed of the hope that you've received. Share it. There's lots of hopeless people out there in the world, people who are dealing with the same things that you've dealt with. Our mission as people who've been filled with the Holy Spirit is to take that hope we've received, take it out into the world. Maybe this week, share the hope that Jesus has given to you. Go out and serve somebody in need. Maybe it's some, someone close to you, or maybe it's a stranger. Serve them. Listen, you're not trying to convert them, right? You're not going in and saying, hey, you need Jesus. Listen, they need Jesus, okay? Everybody does. But let your hope and your life show them that Jesus is more than what this world offers to them. Jesus came to bring hope for the hopeless. See, ultimately, Jesus came to, for hope for all of us in the fact that we were all destined for death. Our sin had separated us from God, and Jesus came to wipe that away. He came to live a life that no other person could live, a life worthy of God's love and grace, and yet he decided to take the punishment that all the rest of us deserve. Why? Because he loves us. And that love led him to take the cross. It led him to put himself up on that hill to die. And then he defeated death. And the victory came in the fact that he created a hope and a future for our eternal life. That's the hope that you need to share with the world. Listen, you may be here today and you may not have accepted this grace. You may not have accepted this hope. You don't have this hope that Jesus promises. Today, I would urge you to take that step. Don't let anything stand in the way of that. Don't wait another day to, to get this hope, to have a future. Today, we're going to celebrate some baptisms. I love baptism Sundays because it's, it's, it's the hope for the future. And we're going to see some people who've decided to take this step and to let the Holy Spirit lead them in their lives. We're excited to celebrate this morning. And after service, I'm going to tell you, we celebrate these in the lobby as well. We've got cookies out there. I love cookies. Cookies. There's a hope, too. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus made cookies, y'all. God made cookies. But we want to celebrate this. Why? Because it's important. Because what these people are doing is important. We want to be a place that celebrates the important things that God does in this world. And so I'd encourage you to stop at the table, not just because of the cookies, but because those people will be there. We would love for them to come to the table and stand by the table so that you can come celebrate with them, congratulate them, tell them, great job. And maybe you haven't made this choice. Maybe you haven't chosen to be baptized. And you're feeling God nudge you this morning. You're feeling God say, this is the time. What are you waiting for? We want you to be able to make that choice right now. And, and if you're watching online and you're feeling God nudge you, I encourage you to reach out to me this week. You can email me. My email address is right on our website, dwocc.com. You can email me, and I'd be happy to talk to you about what baptism looks like.
But after the message and during this next song that Darren and the team are going to play, I'm, I'm going to be back here at this door on this side of the room. And if you're feeling led by God to be baptized, I want to meet you there. I want you to accept the hope that Jesus came to bring. Come see me. Let the Holy Spirit come into your life. Listen, we got clothes for you to wear. You don't have to worry about going home wet. We got stuff for you to wear. We'll help you there. We can take care of this today. Don't wait another minute. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are just so honored to be in your presence on a day when people are choosing to let hope reign in their life. The hope that Jesus brings is being shared today through the power of baptism and the Holy Spirit that will imbue the lives of these people. We are so grateful to be in your presence. We are so grateful to be the servants that you've called us to be, to be able to make this happen. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in this room that is considering taking this step. Whatever is standing in their way, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you remove that. We are thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the hope that he gave us. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen.